Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 57 for Monday, September 16th, 2019. My name is Johnny, but the internet knows me as Pixel Riffs, and joining me, as always, is my good friend Joel Duggan. Hi, Joel. Hello! I'm having a hard time believing that it's the middle of September, seeing that yesterday was August. How did that happen? I know, it's so weird. And, like, <laughs> all, the, all of the leaves are now dropping from the trees, and it's starting to look a little bit more wintry outside. Oh, uh, uh, man. Yeah, as we mentioned in the uh, the pre-show discussion, which you'll be able to listen to if you're a patron of the Spawn Chunks, and you can access that on our Patreon page, by the way, if you're interested in hearing more about my plans, because I am chasing the sun, I'm going on holiday for a couple of weeks, or, well, a, a week, but in a couple of weeks, and yeah, it's... Uh, it's going to be nice to visit someplace that still feels like summer because it does not feel like summer anymore. <laughs> yeah. Now, I fall is my favorite time of year. It's one mm -hmm. of those things that I feel is missing from Minecraft uh, is that everything just looks very summery all the time. And yeah. I, I do wish that there was a way. And I've seen it with some people that do custom texture packs and, you know, uh, biome related leaf color and, and things like that. Uh, and it, it really does make a difference. I would love to be able to walk through a... Uh, fall forest in Minecraft with all the orange and yellow and red leaves. I think that would be yeah, fantastic. Yeah, it's funny. We, we were talking about this on one of my streams the other day where somebody mentioned, like, wouldn't it be really cool if Minecraft had seasons and the seasons took, like, maybe 100 in-game days or something like that? And I did the maths in my head and figured that was probably roughly 24 hours for it to progress from one season to another. And so I thought if you only, if you played on a multiplayer server, which has to be live basically all the time, whether people are logged into it or not, and the seasons were still progressing and you logged in maybe every couple of days, you could end up with a situation where you were always logged in in winter. And I feel like that was, <laughs> that was kind of the case when Python and I did our Harmony Minecraft series together, where we had the Tough as Nails mod installed just so it could provide seasons, because there wasn't really a better mod that would fit with the mods that we had in the pack at the time. And it always felt like we were shoveling snow, like something about it. It wasn't even really hosted on a server. I think it was hosted on Python's machine locally. But it just felt like we were perpetually stuck in winter for some of those episodes. It was like being in Game of Thrones. So yeah. I, I feel like we, uh, we kind of we, we got our taste of that, and we thought there's probably a smarter way to implement this as far as either like you know perpetual worlds like servers or single player worlds. There, there should be some way to skip the seasons in the same way that if you can skip the night if you don't like it. That kind right. of thing. It's kind of it's a yeah. trickier proposition than it at first appears, really. Yeah, and it would be cool if it like well, take a look at something like a beacon, you know, and how long it takes to get a beacon and and the the buffs that it gives you. If you had to do something similar, you know, boss fight or something like that, and then that unlocked, you know, a weather control beacon or something of that ilk, you know, like a shrine or something that you could then use it to change the weather whenever you were displeased by the weather. That would be really cool. The other thing that I I think kind of would bode well would be just having you know maybe uh, weather dependent biomes they have it now you know like you can go to ice spikes or you can go to a taiga snowy taiga that sort of thing uh and the only thing that's missing is that all of the forests and or plains in minecraft are all the same sort of summer and uh, all they would have to do is take like you know a taiga or um what's the other one or like a birch is, forest or something maybe yeah like a birch forest or, or something like that or even one of the dark oak and just say like well have it be i don't know an, an, an autumnal dark oak forest or something like that and just have the leaves be different colors and that would be cool because then if you wanted to build in there and you wanted to do some landscaping and add your own trees then in that specific biome 
trees would have different colors you know birch mm -hmm. could be yellow oak could be redder or or, or um or orange uh and uh I'm not, there's no other i guess real kind of tree that would fit in that area but um i guess dark oak i mean oak dark oak and 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 um birch would be the most common and you can get the 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 yellow gold uh and and orange and red all in there in the same same sort of biome that would be cool i would love to have something like that because some of my favorite uh zones in like mmos that i've walked through have been different colored leaves whether that's traditional fall colors or it's something more imagined like bright purple mm -hmm. yeah and it'd be it'd be neat to have stuff like that when all we have right now really is you look at the changes between say like a cold biome and then a mesa i think is probably the most extreme hot biome where all of the leaves are just brown and mm. nobody likes building stuff with trees there because it just looks kind of ugly yeah uh so ha having some more fantasy inspired biomes we've talked about that on the show before of course but it would be a really neat thing to have some variety whether it's biome dependent or dependent on a different kind of tree for example mm -hmm. uh so so let's get into it let's talk about what we've been doing in minecraft this week other than dreaming up new biomes to wander through so I've been taking advantage of the September event happening on Twitch, which is uh, sponsored by Subway, where uh, subscriptions are half price and uh, Subway adds an extra 10% to any of the cheers that are given. So I streamed a lot last mm -hmm. week. I think I threw in a, a weekday stream, I, like I had a late evening stream. I've also wanted to kind of experiment around when I'm playing Minecraft as to when I might be able to grab some new viewers in different parts of the world, just because I, in Atlantic, uh, time zone you're kind of in a weird place where if i stream late it's still dinner time for california yeah. and it's it's well into the middle of the night for the uk and potentially it's first thing in the morning in australia so i've found that my default time that happens to work for me usually around two or three in the afternoon on weekends uh seems to be where i get the most traction uh unfortunately that interrupts my work day so i can't really stream much during the week uh, at three o'clock in the afternoon, unless I finish all the things that I need to get done. Uh, so I, I did some of that. Uh, and the reason for that is because of course, we're getting close to the end of this fortress farm. And as much as I don't want to just blow through it because of, you know, you, you relish having all of the different things that you need to get done in Minecraft. It means you don't have to think about it. You're just going to log in and keep on keeping on. I'm getting kind of done <laughs> with the keeping yeah. on and the keeping on. Uh, cause this is, it's been a, I've, I've had a couple of sticking points and I'm not quite sure where to go from there. So uh, I decided to uh, reel back on the technical side of things and jump into the farm aesthetics. So I went with uh, adding in black concrete, gray, gray glass, uh, and trying to deal with some ugly redstone blocks in the bottom of it. But uh, the top part was a protective nether rack box and it was gross. Uh, mm -hmm. And I feel 100% better about this build now that I have removed the nether rack. I made the decisions as to how to spawn proof the inside, how to cap the different layers and where to put the glass and how big to make it. And so there's a giant symmetrical, I think it's 31 by 31, um, gray glass cube-ish uh, box around the entire farm. And instead of uh, seeing the black nether brick or for people that don't have the texture pack involved, of course, it's a, um, it would be the default wine colored nether brick. Uh, I decided to put black, uh, concrete around the edges of it. So when you're looking at the farm, you really only ever see just black and gray. And mm -hmm. it really feels like something where someone has kind of assimilated the fortress 
and built their own thing, but then incorporated it into the fortress. So it's the same colors, it's the same mood, but it feels very not the fortress. Yeah, uh, cool. And yeah, so I, I'm I had a lot of fun doing that. It uh, people in the stream really enjoyed it because, of course, it was revealing. You know, now when we fly by, it really does look like a cool finished thing, as opposed to always under construction. And nothing nothing says construction in Minecraft like a netherrack box. <laughs> yeah, uh, a, a, a netherrack box or exposed redstone or just some of those things yeah. that you're like this. Ha you haven't put a bow on this yet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Always feels a little bit like yeah. yeah, everything's still under construction. Yeah. So I'm still struggling with the bottom part. Uh, I did sort out a minecart loading station. I got stuck on stream one day. I couldn't figure it out, and uh, I went and looked up a tutorial. And hey, happened to watch a video by you about hey. minecart, minecarts, and all the different things. Uh, but this specific loading station was uh, unique to my needs, and uh, I was trying to make it more complicated than it needed to be and so now what's it's great is that the um the blaze rods will come in and they'll be loaded directly into a hopper minecart and when it's full it goes off and it dumps its stuff somewhere else and then it comes back and in the in between any additional blaze rods that come in just go into a a, a barrel so mm -hmm. it, it works like a charm and it fit within the space that I had. And so I was quite tickled by that. So the other day I had a lot of fun laying down Minecraft track, which I haven't done in a long time. Uh, Minecraft tracks and Minecraft rails. Um, they're fun. They're, they're a little tricky at first, but once you kind of get the pattern down, uh, I had a lot of fun running these rails around and, and making sure that it worked. And it's one of those things in Minecraft that's very satisfying in terms of a redstone project and that it's fairly straightforward. You know, you lay it all out. And then you have to go test it, you know, like you fill up the cart, you hit go, and then you have to go race and see if you can see it come in at the other end and watch it mm -hmm. distribute its stuff. And, and it all worked fine first try. So I was like, sweet, 100% uh, <laughs> happy with that. Uh, so yeah. that, that was basically my weekend. It actually took quite a long time to do all the, the aesthetics and stuff on, on the farm. It's funny that you've been uh, yeah, excited by putting minecart rails down because I've basically been doing the same thing all week on my channel. I started off by designing a kind of custom-built mine in the area that I'd originally used for caving in my survival guide world, and then I went through the aforementioned video about how to use minecarts and rails, setting up minecart stations. I built a piston bolt, which is a piston-assisted way of traveling, uh, that you've probably seen if you're interested in watching Doc M on Hermitcraft or anybody on Psycraft. They have a whole network of piston bolts to travel around the nether in their server. And I it was my first time building one. And to be honest, they look very technical, but there really isn't a whole lot of technicality and adjustment and stuff and, and fine-tuning that needs to go into them. It's basically just placing a bunch of components in a very easy-to-repeat pattern over and over again. The hardest part is making sure that all of the rails stay in place, because essentially you are setting up a bunch of curved rails in a diagonal line. The, the one I'm building, at least, is, is diagonal. And if any of them get blown up or get accidentally connected to other rails and end up turning in the opposite direction then you have to reset a large area of the track because there's if there's one rail that's curved then you're going to try and curve it forward but then that connects to the rail in front of it and then you have to try and curve that one forward and that connects to the rail in front you can have this like domino effect of if one section of the track gets damaged then a huge portion of it can be broken for a while so luckily that hasn't happened to me yet i've been trying to mob proof this because i'm building it in the overworld so i'm having to deal with occasional creeper incursions and things like that but luckily no heavy accidents have happened quite yet. Cool. But that's going to so, be a really... 
a really long diagonal piston bolt is probably going to stretch like a few thousand blocks once i've actually finished it holy smoke so how does that compare to for speed like for land speed where does that land in terms of like a fast way to travel in minecraft it's around 28 blocks per second uh at its you know once once you get going uh which is much faster than traditional minecart travel even with regular powered rails i'm not sure what the fastest you can travel by minecart is but it's it's pretty fast it's also diagonal travel which is really difficult to do with minecarts because if you have a diagonal rail obviously you can lay them in a zigzag but you have to put a powered rail in there to keep momentum and after a while like you're 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 zigging twice and zagging once and so you can fit in a powered rail because of course powered rails can't be curved they can only be straight and so that kind of disrupts your pattern a little bit uh, and as far as like compare that to ice boats, I think it's around the same speed as boats traveling on packed ice. It's probably about I, I think I think bo- boats traveling on blue ice reach about seventy blocks per second when you get to your your uh, fastest speed. But of course, traveling diagonally with boats is a nightmare because uh, you want to ideally be using a minimal amount of blue ice, as small an amount as possible. But the straight ice roads work because you can push the boat up against the walls because the walls are all straight and you can kind of allow that to guide you a little bit without steering off the ice whereas if you have a diagonal path built out of ice then the walls are kind of coming in every block at a a, with a kind of diagonal zigzag oh yeah and and the the corners of the boats are constantly bouncing off of those so if you get just a tiny fraction of an angle off the direction you need to be traveling in you have the potential to bump against the wall you completely stop moving not to mention the fact that if you want to use a decent amount of uh, like ice in the path for diagonal travel that just means farming like three times the amount of blue ice you might need so it really does feel like the most efficient way to travel if you're specifically planning to travel diagonally uh, the alternative, of course, being build a 5,000 block long ice road in one direction and then a 5,000 block long ice road in the other direction. <laughs> right. Uh, so, so yeah, I'm having fun with that. It's going to be a long project. And uh, the the other unfortunate thing about a piston bolt is it's, it's only one way um, because the rails have to be curved in the direction that you're traveling. So if I wanted to come back that way, I would have to build another one going in the opposite direction, which would be a, an, another ridiculous uh, long path to travel. Yeah. But uh, That's why you yeah, see them more often in, in the nether, I think, than, than on yes. the overworld. Yes, now, it's, it's, it's the, the problem with having committed myself to building one of these in the overworld. Yeah, now. at least it's AFK. Right. Like that's mm-hmm. something when I started messing around with minecarts way back when I didn't realize how far you really did have to travel in the world to get to places that you wanted. In my very first single player world, uh, I I was in another and I created a couple of minecarts. And it was the kind of thing where I just thought it was kind of fun to like jump, jump in the minecart, hit the button, go get a cup of coffee and come back. And I was at my destination. And or very often I'd be back where I started because I would hit something and turn around or. Uh, or I would hit something and stop. And so stuff like that was was a little bit tricky. But the piston bolts, if you, like you said, if you spawn-proof them, they seem like they will just reliably get you where you want to go. Yeah, yeah. And it's a, it's a pretty simple redstone circuit. It just carries you all the way along, and it's, it's fast. And it, it feels good to travel in is the other cool thing. Like, we've talked a little bit before about how sometimes you want to do stuff in Minecraft just because it feels like a fun experience, not because it's the most efficient way to do anything or the fastest way to do anything, but because it's satisfying to use. 
and I really want to seek out stuff like that when I'm working with redstone and just the fact that you have all of these pistons activating in time and in unison sometimes and there's all of these different things just firing off either side of you and you're just standing there look, look ma no hands kind of just doing doing nothing yeah. as this thing propels you along the track really really satisfying feeling yeah i i haven't uh, i mean obviously one of the things i think one of the the drawbacks of not resetting the server is that once you have elytra you kind of just fly everywhere yeah yeah and and uh i make it a point when i'm streaming to try and walk more just because it shows off more of the world and the, the cool stuff that other players have built and things like that but uh when i'm playing on my own and i'm just trying to get stuff done and i don't want i don't have a lot of time to waste just walking around I absolutely fly to the point where I'm starting to think about new nether tunnels where I'm no longer building them in a, in a, you know, five by three kind of like walk down this hallway. I'm thinking a lot bigger, like it's going to take a little bit more to clear this out, but I will be able to fly down it <laughs> later yeah. on. And I, I, I feel like that's something that, um, gets taken over. And we've mentioned it before on the show is that one of the things I'm very curious about is that if, and when they will update minecarts and minecart rails, um, because, um, I think it could be more more fun could be had. I think mm -hmm, definitely. And we we're talking about the we're going to be talk about the uh, fun that can be had in minecart rails later because one of the things I haven't mentioned is that I also built my first roller coaster uh, this week, and so we're going to nice. weave that into our main discussion. But yeah, bank tracks, everybody. I wish I wish <laughs> there could be bank tracks, just creating <laughs> spirals oh. that you can travel down that aren't just this weird kind of spiral staircase situation where yeah. you're suddenly traveling one way and then the other and yeah. just being able to lock your viewpoint in a minecart so that you're always facing the direction it is traveling would be really nice too but yeah i i, I don't mind watching a minecart go around the traditional minecart you know spirals right now but i don't want to be in it i don't find yeah, that totally. i don't find that fun at all <laughs> you don't quite want the headache of no. yeah just just watching the blocks fly past yeah um so let's get into the news. Let's talk about, uh, for a start, we got a Minecraft snapshot. Uh, at the end of the podcast last week, uh, we stopped recording and then noticed that Minecraft's Twitter account had tweeted out a bunch of stuff about the community panels, which we now have a uh, an, an article from Minecraft.net uh, in the show notes about the panels that are going to be happening at Minecon Live uh in in late september i keep wanting to say in september like we're not already halfway through september <laughs> right yeah um but let's cover the snapshot first so this is a snapshot 19w37a and there isn't a huge amount in here as we know 1.15 seems to be quite feature light and they're instead going to be focusing on bug fixes and some feature parity uh, in particular, this changelog notes that boats can now uh, be used as fuel in a furnace to smelt six items, where I think before they would only smelt one. Uh, campfires can be extinguished with a shovel, and when breedable mobs in groups spawn naturally, they will sometimes spawn with babies instead of just adults as part of the group. These are all features which are already present in Bedrock Edition, which are being ported to the Java Edition. Uh, there are also a bunch of bug fixes, but we're, we were scanning through the changelog and we couldn't find anything particularly worthwhile of note. I imagine all bug fixes are going to be worthwhile, but it's stuff like placing lily pads doesn't have a hand animation in third person, so a lily pad just appears without the kind of the right. arm moving and yeah. stuff. And that's, that's obviously going to you know be it, it's it's nice to have that stuff but it's not game breaking for anybody right now <laughs> no i think also too there's probably a lot of bugs that are i don't want to say easy but we'll say fairly straightforward to be fixed 
And there's something to be said when you have a massive to-do list to just like, yeah. hey, let's just spend Friday and just knock a bunch of these out. Like these are things that we don't have to think about. They're not things that need higher up approval. They just need to be fixed. You know, like, yeah. you know, copy hand animation from this part of game, insert into game that part of game where it does not happen. Done. Checkbox, you know, like one less to worry about. So um, again, like you said, all, all good that they're, they're changing these things. Um, also good about the, the parody features, you know, like campfires can be extinguished with a shovel. Awesome. I, haven't built a campfire yet but like sure that it's better sounds more convenient than needing to have a bucket you know or or a way to uh use a dispenser with a bucket to to uh put it out uh breedable mobs spawning in groups uh will now have babies speaks to a lot of the immersion that we you know um have mentioned on the show before where when you yeah. walk across the the plains and you see a herd of cattle and there's a baby cow that would be really cool uh i think that that's all great I don't know about the boats. I sure feature parody, make it all the same. Makes sense. Who cares about boats in furnaces? Does anybody <laughs> use boats to smelt? Like they, you can't stack them. Uh, you, you would have to have like chests upon chests of boats being like sent into a furnace to be of any use. Uh, instead of focusing on things like this, <laughs> my suggestion uh, and this comes from a, a discussion uh, and discovery uh, on my stream on the weekend that blast furnaces don't even smelt nether rack. No, I, I knew they so. didn't do sand, but nether rack to me, granted, I know it's not a quote unquote ore, but like I thought because you get you similar to smelting iron ore into iron ingots, like this is how it works. Like anyway. It, cre it creates a brick-shaped item, and you're like, surely if the output of this thing is just, like, the brick-shaped things, then, yeah. then maybe it can make netherrack or red brick or something like that. But, so instead uh, of feature parody, my suggestion, uh, and this, I mean, I know I'm being very snarky, but, like, I, minecart, or uh, not minecarts, I got minecarts in the brain. Um, blast furnaces have so much potential and are useless in this game uh, right now. They really don't add anything to it. Unlike the smoker, which does actually have, you know, faster, you know, um, cooking of all the meats and foods and stuff like that. Uh, and I think that if they were going to add quote unquote features uh, that are not game changing, that are not uh, worthy of a named update, then I think that taking a look and making some changes to blast furnaces should be on the list because being able to smelt sand, netherrack and smooth stone uh, in blast furnaces would actually give them a use. And before the emails and comments come in, yes, we know that Blast Furnaces are also a villager workstation, and that's one of the primary uses that they've been added for. We still have two useless workstations, which are the smithing table and the fletching table, but I do agree the Blast Furnace has a lot of things it could potentially be used for, and whether you think that's realistic or not is one thing, but I would love to be able to smelt glass faster, and I, I do think Blast Furnaces are kind of missing a few things that could make them very worthwhile as opposed to currently real mm. bad. I'm um, looking at a, I'm looking at developing a data pack and that just that does specifically this and just says, look, you know, what? all the things that you can put in a furnace to turn into other things, you can put them in a Blast Furnace and it just does it twice as fast. Yeah, I mean, even even a select few things would just improve the quality of life in general. Mm. Uh, as for the boats thing, I really think it's... It's just one of those recipes that has been overlooked when they have changed other stuff. For example, I think 
you know, wooden tools will always smelt one thing, but that's because they're made of, like, a couple of sticks, basically. Uh, there there have always been proportional amounts of stuff that items can smelt, depending on what they are. Like, a stair block will smelt maybe, like, one thing, where a plank will smelt one and a half things. There's a mathematical consistency there that I think is missing from boats. And boats in uh, Bedrock Edition, you have to make them with a shovel as well. So you're putting four, five planks and a shovel in, you kind of feel like burning an entire boat should be able to smelt more than one item but i agree it is trivial it seems too trivial to be headlining the uh feature section of a <laughs> snapshot change log yeah but that is probably yeah. just it signifies quite how trivial some of these changes are because we're just not getting any new features right now yeah and yeah that that feels both frustrating because we want to have new stuff to talk about but also it feels kind of like you know okay it's it, it's it's we're content that we are probably getting a smaller update and we are looking to Minecon Live to uh, satisfy our hunger for new stuff to talk about. Mm. Speaking of which, uh, the community panels at Minecon Live have been announced and the participants in those panels have been announced. So there are, from what I understand, five panels which are going to be airing uh, shortly after the original live stream. They're probably going to be available on YouTube as well. Um, so there are five on this list which are crafting experiences game design in minecraft which is essentially a panel about um modding or map making i think um more focused on map making is going to be a a, a panel about diversity three uh called created for the community and diversity three is a recently made uh complete the monument map that was part of the diversity series the third in the iteration can you tell from the number and the name um, and that's going to be hosted by some of the people who contributed to the map, the main designer and a few other folks. Uh, SciCraft server has its own panel, uh, how automation can enrich your game experience. Very excited for that one because the SciCraft guys are known for doing crazy stuff with automation in the game. And it's going to be very exciting to see how they present that in panel form. Uh, there is a marketplace partner panel called How We Craft Secrets of the Marketplace Partners. And Hermitcraft has a panel returning for this year with a couple of different participants from last year, uh, the subtitle for which is Much Better Together. So I'm looking forward to the modding panel and the um, Psycraft panel and the Hermitcraft panel, I think are the ones that I'm most interested in. Uh, what, what of these are on your radar? I think all of them, really. It's it's going to be interesting to learn a bit more about the modding community because I, I liked the modding panel last year. This year seems to have some of the same participants. Drolkus and I think Vazki were both in the... Um, and I think King B-Dogs was even in the panel last year as well. So a lot of these seem like the panels from last year but with a few different participants, which is kind of cool. Um, good to yeah have some familiar faces and showcase some of the other people who either weren't able to make it last time or you know are more relevant to the discussion this time the the modding panel is going to be fun um i know a couple of people from the marketplace partner panel um i've collaborated with anasia before um and she still makes um I, I don't think she makes let's play videos so much anymore but she still makes skin packs and and texture packs and stuff for the bedrock edition marketplace so that's pretty cool um, and I'm pretty sure there are a couple of other people in there who I recognize. And then, of course, yeah, seeing the SciCraft guys talk about what they do uh, on a panel is going to be very cool. Always love the Hermitcraft folks. And Diversity 3 is the one that I know the least about because I haven't played any of the maps myself. But I know of them. They are pretty well respected in the map making community. And it's just going to be good to see them talk about what they do. Plus, I think Adrian Brightmore is back from... He was the guy who was effectively like... Um, 
hosting or what's the word moderating the um the discussion about map making from last year and he's uh he, he's a guy who does tons of stuff like with mathematics and python scripts and stuff that he inputs into minecraft for some incredible results he's another person i'd like to have on the show after our discussion with adam clark kind of prompted me to reach out to some people who are involved with more artistic and like um yeah mathematical scientific focused uh, approaches to minecraft map making so yeah excited for all of them really and i think it's great that they continue to invite creators to come and showcase what the best of what minecraft has to offer because that really feels like what this is to me at least uh from my position is a wide variety of people who can demonstrate how minecraft is an incredibly diverse place and all of the stuff that makes it great yeah uh gentle reminder that this is not part of the 90 minute minecon live this is going to be posted on their minecraft youtube channel uh after the fact uh yeah. and i would imagine all of them are going to be up either at the same time or very close very you know hot on the heels of one another uh because they they are the on-demand community panels which are listed on the minecon live page minecon itself is going to be including news content creators with pre and post show bits uh, that's uh, going to be September 28th this year at 12 p.m. Eastern. You can watch it on the Minecon Live page or a number of other streaming services. I would imagine YouTube and Twitch would be among those. Right, let's uh, let's move on to chunk mail. Let's let's have a chat about chunk mail because we've got a couple of emails to read this week. Uh, one longer one, one shorter one. Thank you guys so much as always for your contributions. You can email the show at thespawnchunks at gmail.com if you want to get a chance to have your email read if you have a short but sweet discussion topic that you'd like us to chat about on the show and this first one how about you take this one this comes from octopus t sure this is actually a response to your concerns on your uh, patreon server about uh, creeper griefing and mm -hmm. so octopus t writes hey pix and joel greetings from java edition realm operator not the owner uh, in episode 56 you mentioned that a server group would like a creeper proof spawn area and i have a similar problem on our realm we only want creepers and endermen to be non-griefing for endermen we simply use the vanilla tweaks data pack however for creepers we have the same problems pixel riffs mentioned we want them to deal explosion damage to the player but not blow up terrain after looking up tons of information online, we finally found a semi-decent solution. I learned how to code with score blocks and put down four command blocks in the spawn chunks. Those command blocks set mob griefing to true or false, depending on whether there's a creeper within a few blocks of radius of a player. It still has its limits. I can't do anything about skeletons shooting creepers. After this, I really like the idea of separating mob griefing options out for different types of mobs. Regards from Taiwan, wow, uh, Octopus T. Uh, thanks for the interesting solution and thanks for sharing. I'm sure that there are a number of people out there with multiplayer servers that are looking for solutions to this very problem. Yes, I still fully support splitting mob griefing out into different categories of mobs because they're doing that with types of damage to the player and it feels like a sensible thing to have. However, I settled on a solution in which I set up a repeating command block underneath the area that I wanted to spawn proof, and I can set a radius in which it teleports creepers into the void. Uh, and and I've, I've seen this used, I think, for maybe Enderman griefing or something like that in the past, but basically any time a creeper spawns within that radius, it's immediately teleported to a Y value of negative 128, so 128 blocks below the lowest layer of bedrock in the world, immediately dies in the void, 
while falling and probably despawns as a result of no players being nearby. And yeah, that seems to have resolved the problem. I don't know how much lag it's going to create having a repeating command block there at all times, but my spawn village is also a little bit removed from the spawn point itself. Like it's called spawn because a lot of people like to set up stuff, uh, like a community town and just call it spawn, whether it's like at the world spawn point or not. So I'm not certain if a repeating kind of thing would really work anywhere else. I don't know. But uh, it's it's a good system so far. And I do like the idea of having creepers still be around but not be able to deal damage to terrain. Disabling mob griefing server-wide every time a creeper comes close to you might potentially have some issues for, uh, for farms like villager-based crop farms and stuff like that. So yeah, there are there are pros and cons to every solution to this problem i think the main one i'm concerned about is that creepers are just going to be spawning constantly and falling into the void constantly and that could potentially create a little bit of entity lag but hopefully one way or the other the problem is going to be resolved and i like your solution i think that sounds like a uh, a decent thing and also very cool that you learned how to code with scoreboards as a result i feel like that's the the key thing to take away from experiences like this is that you learn a little bit more about the game. <laughs> you learn yeah. how to how to work different commands and command blocks, and I've been learning about adding a radius to effects, and that also helped me clear up a couple of... Um, we used the Player Graves data pack on the server for a while and then eventually turned it off, and there were still a couple of Player Graves that hung around, but people couldn't destroy them because they were made of invisible and invincible armor stands holding items in their headspace. And so I figured out how to destroy those armor stands within a certain radius so I didn't destroy everybody's armor stands on the server by just yeah. typing ki kill type equals armor stand. And now I know a little bit more about how to apply radii to commands like that. And it's it's super helpful and means I can be a better admin for my, my, uh, my players. So it mm. works well. Uh, I'm lucky in that I have a couple of very technical people playing on Infinity Cove, the community server that I'm running, and uh, so I've got a lot of help in that in that regard. Mm -hmm. Haven't had to dive in and do anything other than just deactivate some data packs that were problematic, uh, and in uh, in surprise actually, and I won't get into which data packs they were, but there was a couple of them that I was would have expected would have been coded better or would would have worked better and had more useful things considering how um popular they seem to be um but the one thing that i'm curious about the the enderman anti-griefing um vanilla tweaks data pack which i do use uh how does because they have a creeper version of that on vanilla tweaks as well i'm guessing that that version just makes creepers completely not harm the player and that's yes. why people don't want to use it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, that that's makes... it. it. It basically uh, eliminates creeper damage entirely, which makes creepers trivial. They they can still spawn and obviously provide the player with gunpowder, so you don't want to, like, eliminate creepers entirely. Hmm. Uh, and it's just a way of turning off the individual, like, damage to blocks, but that also switches off damage to players, players. as well. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And similar to how um, with Enderman griefing because of how they happen to work, they grief in a different way than they attack the player. So you can turn off the Enderman griefing, but then they still attack the player and do all the Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't affect their hostility or the damage they deal to the player at all. Right. Can it make them quieter? I would like to make them quieter. <laughs> that's that's a separate uh, separate issue, I think. And, oh, uh, man. Yeah, one that you can resolve with a resource pack. But anyway, um, let's move on to our second email, another short one here uh, from Vansboy04 uh, with the subject of community. 
which says, I am a huge fan of this amazing show. I can really see the Minecraft community, but I was wondering how you think I should create a community among my friends. I only play on Java, but most of my friends play on console or Windows. How can I connect with them besides talking about news, updates, and other game things? Thanks, Vansboy04. So when I read this, I was thinking, I don't know about connecting with them besides talking about the game. I would imagine the, the way to connect about Minecraft is you're still going to be talking about the game. Uh, but the first thing that came to my mind, because we have such a fantastic Discord community around the Spun Chunks, and I, both you and I each have our own communities as well. Uh, have you thought about creating a friends-only Discord? Like invite-only, just invite the small circle of friends that you're talking about, where you guys can easily share thoughts about the game, screenshots, news, uh, build ideas, progress, stuff that transcends the version right? Like a screenshot of a castle is a screenshot of a castle. It doesn't matter whether it's bedrock or whether it's Java. Um, I know in our Spawn Chunks Discord, um, some members have taken it upon themselves to add the version of Minecraft next to their name, either in initials or in, in full description. And that alleviates some of the uh, confusing converse, conversation that can happen with cross-platform. So if we've got two members that are talking about Redstone in one of our chat rooms, then um, depending on what version they are playing they're talking about redstone differently and people are not lost because they can see that it's two bedrock players talking about redstone as opposed to two java players um but yeah i would suggest a discord uh johnny what do you think yeah i, I think just setting up a way to share screenshots or short videos is often a really good start and i mean part of the reason i started a youtube channel was a desire to share what i was doing in minecraft with other people um, if you aren't interested in making public videos, of course, you can always upload them unlisted, which allows anyone with the link to the video to view the video. So you can always set that up so your friends can watch them if, if, if you just like DM them a link, but they're not going to be posted publicly if you're you know worried about um, yeah not, not putting your stuff out there. Um, as far as being able to play with these friends, I think that's going to involve a concession for, for one party or the other. And if you play the Java edition and you bought the Java edition before, I think, October 2018, you still have a free coupon code that will allow you to download the Windows 10 edition from the Microsoft Store. Obviously, no good to you if you play on Mac or Linux, but if you have Windows 10 and you're able to download that version and you want to just play with your friends for like an afternoon or something like that, that should still be an option because that's left over from when they were doing a beta for the uh, Minecraft Windows 10 edition and they wanted to put that out to as many people as possible. The Java community was there and they happily accepted a free version of the game they had already bought. So it might be the case that you just have to cave and play on the same version as them and find stuff to do that is less, like Joel said, is is transcendent of the differences between versions you can build stuff in bedrock edition minecraft the same as you could in java edition it's even better if you're building bridges because you can actually face forward when you build bridges um so yeah th there are there are options there i guess but ultimately you're going to have to find some kind of middle ground as far as yeah just uh chatting about the stuff that you each of you are doing and sharing visual stuff from the game is always a really good way to connect and when it is available to you, if you guys want to, and girls perhaps, want to go outside and chat about Minecraft, maybe Minecraft Earth is where you connect with your friends about Minecraft. That's a very good point. Yeah, if, especially if they are local friends, then uh, yes, getting together true. and building stuff together in Minecraft Earth would be a super fun thing to do and is going to be 
a universal experience for everybody. There's not going to be different versions for Android and iOS. I'm pretty sure everyone's participating in the same game. So <laughs> we hope. <laughs> we hope, yes. Yeah, I, I, sh- I shouldn't say stuff like that when we don't actually know. But No, um, I think yeah, the only let's... thing that's currently iOS exclusive is the uh, an, uh, obfuscation of a person. Like, So the person that you're looking at in AR can actually go behind the grass Yes, I think yeah, yeah. that's the only thing, and that's just—I think that's just akin to the kind of processing and processing power in a phone. Um, and so, it's hardware capability, not so much that it's a limitation of the game doesn't have it. It's that the game—the game can't do it yet on all platforms. Yeah, man, I really wish Minecraft Earth was going to be available for when I go on holiday because. Mm. It would be really cool. Not 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 to say that I want to spend my entire holiday playing Minecraft by any stretch, but just imagining being able to go around and like pick up stuff and build stuff and see what other people had built around some of the cities I'm going to be seeing in Europe would be super fun. Uh, but yeah, anyway, we should move on to our main discussion topic for the week, which, as I mentioned earlier, is going to be about building entertainment in-game. Joel, how often do you build Minecraft minigames on the servers that you participate in? I've never done it because we have such a low population. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. there might be eight whitelisted members. I want to say three play regularly, two maybe coming in at the top of that. Um, so it's really not a place where like you can build something and they will come, <laughs> you know? Yeah, sure, uh, sure. So yeah. It, it's it's not quite like that. I thought about that the other, the other day. Uh, surprising, actually, that this was the topic that you wanted to talk about because uh, I've been spending so much time in the nether on this fortress farm, I have become rather good at taking ghasts out <laughs> one shot. So the mini game that I've created my, for myself is like how few arrows can I use despite the fact that I have infinity uh, to just to can I kill this gas in one shot it becomes kind of mm-hmm. like a show off for stream sort of thing yeah and yeah. there was a funny moment the other day where I heard the gas but because proximity audio doesn't exist I turned around and it was a foot from me so <laughs> needless to say I didn't miss that one <laughs> I yeah, had a bit they, of a jump but I didn't miss it they tend to find some really surprising places to spawn I will say that oh my gosh um, it was it was like it was like that scene from Ghostbusters where the state puff marshmallow man comes up over the edge of the building <laughs> and you're just kind of like oh my god it's in my yeah face. yeah totally, so yeah totally. it was fun uh, but you know I I've watched a lot of mini games be made on various videos like Hermacraft and you know you get like um Mumbo and uh, Cub Fan and a bunch of other those guys getting in and doing some really cool mini games I like the appeal of doing a mini game that involves like shooting targets because it's the kind of thing that most people are going to be okay at uh, in the game because you use your bow to generally deal with a lot of mobs so you know to have uh, an, an arrow and archery range would be really fun um i also really like the inventiveness um of um was it is it ender pearl and um trident golf that cub fan did yes this season yeah yeah i mean not only is that build incredible but the just the game mechanic alone and the fact that he found a way to have consistent distance you know by using the different types of riptide and stuff i thought that was yeah. just genius 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 and so the those fact are, that you can yeah you can simulate the mechanics of actual golf in some way through yeah. those is very clever yeah but i don't have any interest in things like parkour or uh, time trials and things like that because I don't find personally that I'm that good at Minecraft. I don't pl- like in terms of moving around. 
I don't play Minecraft because I want a Mario experience. You know, like I don't yeah. play Minecraft because I want a racing, like a car race or even a first person shooter experience. I play it because of the creative and the building aspects of it. So I don't have that draw for mini games. I know I'm unique in that way. Uh, Steven, my friend that got me into Minecraft, who doesn't play anymore, <clears throat> Steven, um, is uh, his kids uh, will log on and play mini games all the time it's generally what they do in minecraft as far as i know they'll have their own like survival world but they don't spend very much time in it uh and correct me if i'm wrong i'm pretty sure that's how hypixel the developer of hightail got their start was a mini game servers right yeah and 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 one of their most successful projects to this day is is the hypixel network is probably one of the largest mini game servers that exists right now um so yeah i, I wanted to talk a little bit about how people have used minecraft to build entertainment for themselves within the game because like you were saying a lot of the folks on your community servers and the servers on which you play are going to be playing minecraft for the core game experience itself the stuff that minecraft provides for you as objectives and as ways to build stuff in survival and survival is kind of the game at that point but eventually you kind of, if you don't outgrow survival, then you at least, if you're on a multiplayer server, you want to find ways to, you know, subvert the survival experience a little bit and create your own experiences within it. I did that in a small way this week when I built a minecart roller coaster. It's really the first time I've ever done something that was a roller coaster for the sake of it, trying to emulate a real world roller coaster, a theme park experience, having it be entertainment for myself within the game. And it got me thinking about how we spend our time in game and how kind of games within games are popular so you've got you've got the example of hermitcraft where you have people making original games as creations rather than trying to say emulate existing game experiences right so you'll have something like uh spleef is a popular game that's played in minecraft servers where you simply have a tool that can instantly mine out blocks from a platform and the two of you stand on a platform made of that block with the tools required to instantly mine it and you just try and knock each other off the platform by breaking the block underneath the other player's feet. There's stuff like that has existed for a while. People do that with leaves and shears or with efficiency pickaxes and ice. There's a whole bunch of cool stuff that you can do with that. Uh, but that is, as far as I'm aware at least, an original Minecraft creation for a game. And that's one aspect I really miss from multiplayer servers. We didn't do it much on the servers that I played on because we weren't all kind of you know, full-time. A lot of us could only play once or twice a week and we were creating just videos about our own stuff. But it's one of the aspects that exists in multiplayer servers that you can create minigames. And you can't really do that for yourself in single player. I feel like making a roller coaster was the closest I could get to that. Um, but as you said, folks like Hypixel, the more popular public multiplayer servers, use Minecraft as a game engine for other things. And, and they recreate popular games or game modes as minigames within Minecraft, you have stuff like kart races, first-person shooters involving some liberal use of texture packs, but you get, you know, things that can be simulated like guns. Uh, with additional, like, data packs and command block functions and stuff like that, you can really change the experience of playing the game. You have people who have simulated stuff like Pictionary, either even football games that you could play on the Hypixel server at one point, especially around the time that the World Cup was going on. I'm pretty sure they bring back a football game for every kind of major football tournament just because people are excited about it. And then there's even a level beyond that. I've played maps before where people have used in-game mechanics and textures and modified them without really using mods, but just using what's possible with texture packs and command blocks to make the game almost unrecognizable. 
there was a map I played a few years ago where a guy called Mr. Squishy made a Pokemon Red emulator, recreating the entire Pokemon Red game, including the glitches that were in the Game Boy version, by just taking advantage of retexturing items depending on their durability. So if you turned off the texture pack, what you would see was a bunch of diamond pickaxes dancing around on this, you know, Game Boy that he'd built. But if you turned on the texture pack, each individual durability value was taken up by a map of some kind from within the game. And so what the game was displaying was a series of pickaxes retextured to look like the Pokemon world, which is just, in the Game Boy versions, it's just a kind of black and white, you know, dot matrix uh, display. So it's quite easy to simulate that. And it probably, be, it took a lot of time and a lot of effort, but it was probably one of the more straightforward things to draw. Uh, for, for textures like that. So there's some incredible stuff you can do. Uh, going one step further than even that, uh, a guy I know called Red Nomster, who used to be a very prolific and very intelligent Redstone creator, used to create some really interesting minigames of his own just using regular Minecraft stuff, and, and he'd create Redstone doors and stuff like that. He's currently working as a passion project that, you know, on and off, he's working on a top-down RPG that runs on command blocks with custom sprites and hand-drawn art. It's a, an original story, so he's not taking something else and trying to emulate it. He is basically using Minecraft as a game engine to design an RPG, kind of like Titan Souls or Hyperlight Drifter in terms of its aesthetic, which is just nuts to me. That's the stuff that I just find mind-blowing, that you can use Minecraft to do that, and that the facility to program stuff within Minecraft is available to do that at this point. It's really cool, but I kind of, when he gets to that level, I kind of wonder, well, why, I'd, I'd be curious to know why he's doing it in Minecraft and not just making the game on his own. I think partly for the spectacle and partly because the way Minecraft allows you to lay the stuff out is more of a visual interface as well. Like by chaining together stuff like command blocks, you can actually have command blocks run so that when... Uh, one command block is triggered, the next one in the chain gets triggered, and you can set those up as sequences of events that in another game engine like Unity or something like that, you would have to learn to program how to do that stuff. Mm. I feel like Minecraft kind of provides a bit of a go-between where you can allow stuff like that to trigger off various things. And once you know the command language, maybe you, you've kind of picked up the command language intuitively from other projects that you've done in the past and server right. admin stuff. Mm -hmm it starts to give you an idea of how you can improve upon that experience and, and use those skills to take it to the next level without having to learn a programming language like C++ or whatever from scratch. Yeah, well, so, it's, akin, it's akin to like using Minecraft, the game in, in itself, as your GUI for the thing that you're going to use or, yeah. or cre create. Yeah, mm, interesting. Effectively. And and it's, it's the, the sort of weird underside to stuff like modding where you're teaching yourself java so that you can create java experiences that happen within minecraft this is more like teaching yourself minecraft so that you can create a mod <laughs> it's kind of the opposite yeah. way around almost yeah, yeah, yeah. I, but, I like the idea of of controlling the player experience um so before i i get too far into this uh if you were to make an in-game experience i know that you're currently spending a lot of time in a single player sort of situation but if if you were to create say something for a, a community of people that you wanted to have come and and play on it whether that's you know a mini game or a map or something like what what would be the kind of like your go-to sort of situation 
I would probably steer away from anything PvP related. I kind of want it to either be a cooperative experience or something that is a single player experience that the player goes through. Um, that's the kind of stuff I like playing in terms of like board games and stuff as well. So I'd probably use that as a basis. I might want it to be kind of sci-fi or horror themed. And so maybe something like an escape room kind of experience that I know a couple of people on Hermitcraft have done those recently. So that might be where I'm getting this from. But there are some stuff like that that can be played cooperatively or can just be a fun puzzle to work out. I'd really like to have some stuff like that keyed into it. And there are ways that you can do that without really having to incorporate any of the kind of command block mojo and stuff. You can have just a series of levers hidden around a room and there are only a couple of them which actually activate the redstone circuits or if you press a button three times then that's kind of the code that activates it. Combination locks can exist, that kind of stuff that you can do with all of the in-game stuff that it's possible to do in survival Minecraft without going too heavily into creative. That's probably what I would try and do, I think. How about you? What what kind of thing would you be interested in designing? I'd be leaning into storytelling. So I would like to do like a map that people explore and either follow, you know, like a, a trail or a tail or basically have to go a specific, you know, route and control the player experience, you know, whether that's coming around a corner and seeing a vista of a castle that you just read about. And that's, you know, where you have to go to solve this mystery or partake in this particular, you know, adventure. Um, and then after I kind of had that first thought, I, I was thinking, you know, having something like an RPG, like a dungeon crawler, similar. I mean, I, I know we've got Minecraft dungeons coming out, but having that kind of experience where once you're in that castle, you get, you know, you go to a number of different rooms and depending on what happens, maybe skeletons appear that you have to fight and you have to kill them all before you can proceed to the next room. Um, I'm thinking about like the last time that I had a Dungeons and Dragons campaign with friends where that was a situation where you had a few friends and each buddy, each person had a different role and you try, had to try and take down the main, you know, boss in the middle in order to get the 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 loot and, and move on. And I would be less inclined to have like, you know, valuables so much in the chest as I would be like, you know, the end of the story. You know, the reward is is the, you know, the information and, and the story being told. Uh, that to me, though, is one of those things where like I would want control over the player experience. I would want the lighting and the textures and all that kind of stuff to be something that I could I could tweak and kind of like kind of manipulate to my uh my will and i don't know that those tools are available in the game as i know it i could be mistaken yeah. right like i mean we've only got so many different light sources there's only so many different things that you can do so i feel like for me to do the kind of things that i would want i would quite quickly realize that minecraft would have some limitations I, vanilla minecraft modded minecraft probably would have a lot more um, yeah. a lot more options but if we're talking about like a vanilla experience that the majority of the player base could log into and try out then that would be kind of where i would go it's probably be an, an adventure map would be what i would want to do there is a lot you can currently do with adventure maps granted like you said the options for stuff like lighting and having different lighting effects and stuff like that is limited and i think any of the adventure maps i've played are very much clearly still Minecraft in their essence. When I've seen a lot of people doing creative builds online where they've retextured things to the point where it's almost unrecognizable as Minecraft. If you think about anything that's made in Conquest, for example, the texture yes. pack, where yeah. you get stuff that effectively it looks like the set from Skyrim. 
mm-hmm. looks like you know one of the towns that you'd encounter in skyrim so making an adventure map in a texture pack like that would probably be a little bit more rewarding than using the default minecraft texture pack or starting from scratch with your own thing and i find a lot of the adventure maps that i have played tend to get very cartoony maybe perhaps because they're more they're they're bedrock edition uh marketplace maps so they might be pitched more towards a younger audience to begin with i feel like i would be shooting for a a slightly older crowd if i wanted to make an an adventure map i'd have some slightly darker themes and imagery and stuff in there and it it might be a little bit more kind of horror themed as well Hmm. so i feel like there's some stuff that when you're stepping over into maps like that it becomes very difficult to walk the line between i have to use minecraft's default set of blocks and stuff and i have to create a scary experience (laughs) it's a little bit difficult Uh, other than you know i get jump scared by creepers in the vanilla game but that's not quite the same thing as trying to engineer a jump scare in a map that you've made yourself so there, there are some some limitations to be had but i feel like those limitations are decreasing all the time when it comes to the tools Mojang and Microsoft are making available to us. We have more and more scope to change the game with each successive update. Not necessarily to Java, but in the uh, last Minecon, they announced Bedrock was getting more scope for add-ons so that you could actually add new creatures into the game, which didn't have to be tied to replacing existing creatures. So you could have ducks and chickens existing in the same world as a, a small example. Java recently obviously added data packs, which have changed a lot about how we can play the game and simplified a lot of the ways we can adjust existing Minecraft mechanics. There's a whole variety of other stuff like that, and there is potential for more of it to become available to us in future. Think about the fact that modding is now being made easier by deobfuscation maps being made available and that kind of stuff. I feel like there is always scope for that kind of stuff to expand, and Minecraft as game engine still has quite a a lively following, and I feel like it's it's only going to get better from here. I would agree. And I think that's probably going to wrap up our discussion for today and wrap up this episode of The Spawn Chunks. Thank you folks so much for listening. You can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show is composed by me, and The Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you get some value out of the show, why not consider putting some value back in? You can visit patreon.com slash thespawnchunks to join our community, where pledging at any level will get you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat and get us closer to our Patreon milestone goals. We are are currently at 117 patrons up to from last week so thank you so much to the new folks who have jumped on board always room for more of course and we want to give a special thanks to our content engineers cameron sigelski jd williamson llamas and yitz for their support on this episode sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show it's 100 free just uh, head on over to twitter or instagram at the spawn chunks or give a personal recommendation that's probably the best way to share the show poke a friend in the arm and say hey this is a really cool minecraft podcast you should listen to it and they will obey because you're friends and that's what friends do you can email the show at thespawnchunks at gmail.com or you can subscribe on itunes android stitcher or spotify and we're also on youtube for people that hang their podcast hat there the RSS feed is available on thespunchunks.com, and the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page, and that is where you can listen to the render distance, the extended version of the podcast. 
My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixelriffs, and you can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash Pixelriffs, where I attempt to make sense of this crazy and wonderful game in a series called The Minecraft Survival Guide. I stream three days a week on Twitch, doing behind-the-scenes work for the Survival Guide series, and I'm also the voice for the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search. Aside from that, I'm at Pixelriffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything I'm doing online is at joelduggan.com. That includes my illustration and design portfolio. If you're looking to hire me, then just drop me a line there. I am going to be at Halcon in October. That's uh, near the end of October. I believe it's the 25th through the 27th. So if you're local or if you're going to be in town for Halcon in Halifax, then be sure to look for me there and come say hi. You can also listen to The Citadel Cafe, a podcast I do about sci-fi and geeky entertainment every Wednesday. And you can follow me on YouTube and Twitch. Twitter and Instagram. It's all just my name. I'm very easy to find. I've been doing a lot of streaming on Twitch lately. So check me out there, twitch.tv slash Joel Duggan. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite. Don't build the player, build the game.